talking about um, doctrines in here. We're going to talk about doctrine of sin again. Um, interesting, when you study the doctrine of sin, tonight we're going to look at the consequences of it. There's two consequences of it, and as I'll wait till everybody gets these before we get right into it. But turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3 while they're, while they're doing this. Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to read a couple verses, verses 8, and 8 through 10. We've looked at these before, but I want you to see this and see some of these things that went through um, when, the doctor, when, when sin entered into the world, everything changed. And um, let's look at um, Genesis chapter 3 and verses 8 through 10. And just follow along with me and then we'll pray and we'll get right into it. It says in Genesis chapter 3 verses 8 through 10, it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? My question to you is this. He knew where he was. He's asking a question to see if he'll respond. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So we're going to look at, there's two consequences to sin. You've got to understand this doctrine. This is, this is found throughout the scriptures. We're going to look a lot at, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But the, the first one is this. Sin brought a separation. Sin brought a separation. We've just read this in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Is the, is the, the, the aspect of separation. And, and God was separated from him. And we'll look at those in just a second on point A and B in just a second. But I want to look at some of these other, other verses. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3 is your next verse on there. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. There's nowhere you can go that, you, that God can't see you. He knows exactly who you are, what you're doing at all times. You say, well, that's kind of intrusive. No, it's, it's because he's God. And I'm thankful that he does know things. Because if he didn't know everything, can you imagine praying to him and asking him for something and he wouldn't know the answer? He knows everything. So there's a good side to what we say, oh, it might be a bad side. It's not. God is everywhere at all places. He knows everything. The Bible says that he, he is every place beholding the evil and the good. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 says this, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. See, one of the aspects of this is separation. In, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, Proverbs 15, 3, and Isaiah 59, 3, 59, 2, tell us these. Now, there's, there's two points on this, and you've got to look at it as if you were in the garden, now you're pulled out of the garden. What are the two things? Sin brought a separation from the presence of God. What, what was, when we read this in, in Genesis chapter 3, what were they trying to do? They were trying to hide from Him. You can't hide from God. I always, when, I, when I read Jonah, I always read that, that aspect. He was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. You can't do that. And so here, it, it's a separation from the presence of God. This sin will do that. The second aspect of this is sin brought a separation from fellowship with God. Picture, if you will, your relationship with people. If you have a problem with somebody that you've treated them wrong or they've treated you wrong, how is your relationship with them? Kind of hindered, isn't it? Well, it's the same way with God when we have that sin because God does not like sin. He hates sin. It's an abomination to Him. And since we have this in there, all of a sudden we don't have the fellowship that we should have. What does it, what does it count for you to get that fellowship back? To make it right on your side. He's not done anything wrong. You know, I was studying this. It was interesting when you, when you study about an unsaved person. On earth... 
An unsaved person experiences separation from God only in a limited way. You ever thought about that? They're separated from God because they have sin in their life. They've, all, all it is is one repentant sin, and then it's opened up, and then there's, there's God, God for them. But if, if you think about it, when you, when you think about what they do, everywhere a person that's an unsaved person, he sees God or she sees God. God's in front of them all the time. We see the formation of the rocks here and the, the mountains here in Tennessee, and you can just see God's beauty in it. They see that too. They also can hear God. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you can just hear the wind or the birds chirping. Beautiful. You just see God in all of His creation. Um, how many of you ever had the privilege of seeing um, the Redwood Forest, a Redwood Forest anywhere? Anybody been to a Redwood Forest? I can't tell you what it's like to walk through Redwood Forest. You have to go there. It's almost like you're in awe. I've taken teenagers there. I've taken young, young couples there. I've taken some college students there. And when you walk through there, everybody has this. You don't hear a lot of talking. We, we had 40 or 50 kids walking through it, and it was quiet. And you're just looking around, and you're just amazed at what God, how God created it. And you just look up, and you think, oh, my word, and the vegetation underneath is different. Most people don't know this. For a redwood tree to grow, it takes a catastrophe. It actually takes a fire for it to grow. The pods are so thick they won't open up. A fire breaks out. It breaks them, opens them, and that's how a redwood tree is, 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 it goes in the ground, and that's how, how they take existence. But when you go there, you just see. There's no way you can look at that and say, there is not a God. Now, the atheist might go through there and see and say, I, just, I, just, I don't understand it, but there's always God's in front of them. Everywhere he goes, he sees it. He sees the creative hand of God. He also sees us. An unsaved person sees Christians, the lives that they live. They're not, they're not totally separated from God, but when they take their last breath, their heart beats the last time, that's a total separation from God if you're an unsaved person. So when you think about this, sin brought a se separation from the presence of God and sin brought a separation from fellowship with God. So the second one, not only has sin brought a separation, but it also brings a penalty. And if we just look at it as what we would with people, this is what happens. When someone does you wrong, there is always a separation normally. There's a time of reflection and hopefully correction, but then there's a penalty for it. You know, I always tried to get out of my penalty when I was a young, when I was a young child. I didn't like the penalty that, that God had established through my father and through my mother. Sometimes you could just, they could just look at me and I would know that there was a separation between us and there was a penalty. There's, there's seven, seven things I, want, I listed here and I want you to get these. And the first one is this. Number one is death. Sin brought a penalty of death. Sin brought about a physical death upon humanity. We're all getting older. Amen? As I stand up here with a boot on my leg. I feel taller when I stand on it. I feel shorter when I go back to my normal size. I took that boot off this, morning, this afternoon. I could see my ankle had swollen. It didn't used to do that when I was 17 or 18. But you know what? It brings up, sin brings about death. And, and, and I'm not saying, and don't ever get to the point where you see someone, somebody, something happens to somebody. It must have been a sin that they did. 
That's not how sometimes it works. Sometimes God does punish us. But look at some of these verses in here. James chapter 2, verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Death is a point of no return when the soul and spirit leave the body. And there's only one time that happens. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Hebrews 9, 27 says this, As is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Another death fell upon mankind because of Adam's sin. It's called a spiritual death. It says in, in verse number, in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That's what the Bible says. Sin caused death. That's one of the penalties of sin. And it's found throughout the scriptures with it. The next one, point, uh, letter, um, letter B, not only did it cause death, it also caused loss. Loss. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're already there. Genesis chapter 3 and verses 22 through 24. It says this in this verse. It says, um, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove, him out, he, he drove out the man and, and placed at the east of the garden of, of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned away to keep the way of the tree of life. They lost something. When Adam and Eve did what they did, they lost something. What did they lose physically? They, they lost that relationship with the Lord, that sweet fellowship that they had, the presence. They, they no longer, after they fell, they never, no longer had everything that they had before. But they also lost the garden. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine how beautiful the garden must be. I've been able to see a lot of different things in America. How many of you ever seen Niagara Falls? It is amazing to me when you go to Niagara Falls just to see the magnitude of that. How many of you have seen the Grand Canyon? I mean, when you, look at the, when you look at some of these things, you go, wow. And it's just a hole in, the wall, hole, in the, hole in the ground, but when you get there, it is amazing. I remember taking our kids there when they were little, and every picture that Megan is in, she looks scared to death. We're about 30 feet from the, from the side, but she is so scared she's going to fall over that, over that thing. I mean, she, and, and when I picked her up one time, it was like picking up a can. She was just, just stiff. And I could set her in any position. She would sit there, and she was just scared to death of that, how far she would fall if she fell. We weren't going to even get her close to it. But when you see the magnitude of who our God is, you just wonder, you, you're, you're, just, you're just magnified as how, much, how great God is to us. And these, these two, they lost everything when it came to the Garden of Eden. Man suffered the loss of paradise, and the right to the tree of life. Everything about the garden was perfect for man. Let's go to John chapter 8. This is not in your notes, but John chapter 8, if you want to write this down, I saw this verse and I, I wanted to read this to you. John chapter 8 and verse number 44. John chapter 8 verse 44 says this. It says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your fathers ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. 
Man went from being a child of God to being a child of the devil. And that's what we're born into because of sin. This is the loss that we have. In um, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's what happened when sin entered into the earth. And what is this talking about? This is talking about when what? Noah, when the flood is going to destroy the earth because of the, the, the wickedness of the people. And this was not very far down the, the generations to come. Here's Noah comes on the scene and God says, listen, all they think about is evil. You watch the news? There's some evil out there. As we, watch, as we see the things that are happening in this world, we see evil. No one ever wants to admit when they do wrong. <laughs> How many people come up and say, I'm guilty? Most of them will say they're guilty so they get a lesser plea. They don't ever say, okay, I did it, I did it. Very seldom do they do that. And there's a lot of innocent people in prison, they say. You find that, Brother Brown? I didn't do it, I didn't do it. it was so... and, and we revert back to what Adam and Eve did. What did, he, what did Adam do? He said, it was the woman thou gavest me. What did the woman say? It was the serpent. We all have excuses, but we have losses with this too. And if this doesn't sum up our life, go to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. Are we not this verse? All we like sheep have gone astray. It doesn't take much for a sheep to, she to, to veer off. And usually when a sheep veers off, what happens? More sheep go with them. It does not take very much for them to, well, he looked at me, or, or they looked at me. They said something. They didn't say something. They shook my hand. They shook my hand too hard. They didn't shake my hand. They didn't acknowledge me. We have all gone astray. And look at this verse. Keep reading, and it says, We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Man, we, have, we lost something, didn't we? We have the death, we have loss, and then the um, letter C, condemnation. Let me say this to you. The judgment of God is sure. There has not been one thing in the Bible that's wrong. Up to this point, we're, we're, on our current date, we have, we have fulfilled a lot of the prophecies in there. Not one of them have been wrong. It's amazing when you study prophecy and, and, and if you were to ask generations back in the 1930s or 1920s and say, do you think that Israel will ever be a state? They would have said there's no way. But they are. There's also Gog and Magog would be reunited. That's East and West Germany. We look and we see so many different things that the, the Bible has predicted and everything that the Bible has predicted, it is true. The judgment of God is sure, and the sentence of God is sure. He knows exactly what he's doing, and it's going to be brought to forth. Look, look at Gen, um, um, Psalms 9, verse 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forgot God. These are all things that happen because of sin. We have death, we have loss, we have condemnation, and one that we get, starts with the letter G, it's guilt. What happens when you sin? You ever feel guilty? I remember one time I went to Walmart and I inadvertently put something in my pocket. I bought something, I went out to my car, and I got my keys out and there was that object. I was like, what? 
And that split second, you know what you could think? Well, Walmart makes a lot of money. And they almost were floored when I came back in and said, I need to purchase this. Where where'd you get? And they saw me coming from outside. I said, I accidentally put it in my pocket. And they were very forgiving of it. But has there ever been a time where you go, I just don't know what to do with this? We have guilt in our life all the time. One time my wife and I were going shopping, and I, and I said, Lord, we, we were just married, and we were living on macaroni and cheese and beanie weenies. Amen? College students, that's what you live on. Um, this is body by beanie weenie. Amen? I remember going, we were going to go to the store, and I said, I, I, I don't usually pray this way. I said, we need some money. We don't have any money. I don't want to put it on a credit card. We need some money. But we need to go to the store, and I promise you not. We were walking into the store, and something blew by my foot, and I was like, what was that? And I went and followed it. You know what it was? It was a $20 bill. I just held it up and says, anybody miss this? Good. All right. So we went in there, and we bought it. Man, God provided through a wind, Amen. When we do something wrong, guess what? Sin does, sin does give us guilt. Before the fall, did Adam and Eve have guilt? No, they didn't have guilt. There was nothing to be guilty of. But then all of a sudden, when God comes along, Bernard, they're hiding. Why? Because the sin, the, the sin brought this guilt to them. They're naked and they, and they were scared. They didn't know what God would do. And so they had this sin of guilt. Um, man was, perfect, was penalized by the emotion of guilt. And watch it. If you do not have guilt when you sin, you better be very careful. You better be very careful. Psalm 38, verse 3 and 4. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head. It's a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. You know who wrote that? David. He said, listen, these things are bothering me. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. When you do something wrong in a sin form, the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you through this form of guilt. Psalm 51, verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. You know what the biggest sin in the world is? It's yours. I, my, what, what, uh, Ann Hilton's down here. What, if Ann, whatever Ann Hilton's sin is, it doesn't affect me as much as my sin affects me. Amen? Do you understand that? And it's because of that guilt. God's going to teach you through your guilt. I like this one. Um, Titus chapter 1, verse 15. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. What's some of the, peace and joy, what are they? Fruits of the Spirit. Do you realize that sometimes when that sin comes in, that peace and joy are taken out? You know why? Because of the emotion of guilt. It's hard to say I've got peace in my, in my life when I've got sin entering constantly. Because that breaks the relationship with God, and this is, some, this is a penalty for my sin. So I have to restore my relationship with God, and then that peace and joy will come in. Sin will always take things from you that sometimes you don't even know that it's going to be taken. And peace and joy is something that I want, but it'll be taken from me periodically because of this emotion of guilt, because of the sin in my life. Um... 
The, the next one, letter E. It's a word we don't use very much, perdition. A state of final spiritual ruin, loss of the soul. It means to suffer permanent waste. Perdition. This is for someone that doesn't know Christ is their personal Savior. This is a penalty for them. This is what happens to them. And don't blame me for it. It's God. God's the God of judgment, and He's the one that sets these rules. And the Bible goes all the way through it. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. God will keep an accurate record, and He does keep an accurate record. And one of the penalties for sin is perdition. If, you don't get, if they don't get that sin confessed and they don't ask Christ to be their personal Savior and understand by faith is the only way they can go to heaven, this will take place. And it's a penalty of sin. And it starts back when Adam and Eve were in the garden. And everybody loves this one. Letter F. Punishment. The punishment is eternal torment in a literal, fiery hell. A lot of people don't want to admit that there's a hell. That, I, I've given this illustration before, but I went and I knocked on a door, and it was a Jewish lady, and she just said, well, when we cease to exist, we cease to exist. There is no hell. I said, do you believe in heaven? She said, I believe in heaven, but I not, do not believe in hell. Do some studies on Christ. Christ talked more about hell than he did heaven. And I thought the only thing I could say to her is I thought, okay, if she's Jewish, let me ask her a simple question. I said, so where do you think Hitler is? Just wanted to think. She said, oh, he's, he's, he's burning in hell. And I said, ma'am, two minutes ago you said you didn't believe in a little hell. But, well, for him there is. I said, well, if there's one for him, there's one for everybody that doesn't know Christ as a personal Savior. And so we've got to get back to understanding that this is the literal, fiery place, the punishment, Job chapter 31, verse, verse 2 and 3, what portion of God is there from above and what in inheritance of the Almighty from on high is not destruction to the wicked and a strange punishment to the workers of iniquity. The punishment is there. God has said it. You say, well, that's pretty, that's pretty intense with what God would do. We, we serve a righteous God. We serve a God of judgment. And I'm thankful for that. You say, well, you're thankful because you're on one side. Everybody has that opportunity. Remember what I said when we got into this. I said, on earth, an unsaved person, uh, person experiences separation from God only in a limited way. They have the same resources. But they've got to accept it rather than reject it. You say, well, what about those people in, in Africa that, that, that just never hear of God? They can see God in His creation. And if they ask for it, they will get help. God says that. We've got to see that this, this penalty for sin, it was a big thing. The first one was death. The next one's loss, condemnation, the judgment, guilt, perdition, punishment. And the last thing is this. The biggest punishment of this, it's eternal. It's eternal. You don't get a second chance. You realize that everything that God said in the Bible, the devil's tried to revamp it, rework it, do all these different things. Sometimes he does it very subtly. But it's eternal here. You know what, God, what, what Satan's um, example was on um, eternal? It being an eternal punishment? Reincarnation. He teaches people reincarnation. And sometimes he does it so subtly. 
I know, I, know, I know it's an innocent movie, but there's an innocent movie about a dog that reincarnates itself all the way through, through these many, many years and all these many different dogs. That doesn't happen. But if someone goes, well, if a dog can do that, can a person do that? That's how we think. Satan is always trying to duplicate what is right and make it wrong. We've got to understand that, and, and the eternal side is this. In, eternal indicates an everlasting state of existence without, watch this, parole. You don't get a second chance. You don't serve, 20, you don't serve 10 years in, in hell and then, okay, I can get out. It's eternal. It's God's judgment on sin. And that's what sin's done. It's a penalty for that sin. Not only that, you don't get parole, you don't get probation. Well, we'll just think about this. What's the Catholic Church tell you? What's the word they say? Purgatory. Find it in the Bible. We make things up. Man tries to get around what, 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 what God says in the Bible, and he makes things up. Purgatory is never found in the Bible. There's no parole, there's no probation. And the last one is there's no another chance. You ever done something wrong somebody and just say, can you please give me another chance? There are going to be people that are going to be begging and begging and begging to God in judgment. What's God going to say to them? I never knew you. Oh, they have, they have opportunity to know Him, but they never knew Him. The last, last line says this, it is to be forever and ever out of the mind of God. Never again to be remembered. This is the way God looks at it. Once someone goes in there, you don't get that second chance. And that's what always floors me when you're talking to somebody, and, and maybe they're up in age, maybe they're sick, they have some problems health-wise, and health -wise, and you say, listen, you need to get saved today. And what do they say? I'm not ready yet. It's going to be too late. I've, had, I've, had, I've been at, on bedsides when people have passed away, they're Christians, and it's very peaceful. But then I've also done funerals where they, I know the person was lost. And the people in the crowd don't know how to accept it, don't, know, don't understand it. And they're, 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 you could just see by their emotion that they have no idea what just happened. And as a preacher, I'm telling you, it's sometimes hard to get up and, and find something nice to say. Because we know in, 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 when we study the Bible, to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord, if you're a Christian. But what did sin do to us? Sin brings a separation from us, for us. It brings a separation from the presence of God and from the fellowship with God. It breaks that. Now, it can be restored, but that's on us, not on Him. And the second thing is it always brings a penalty. I know Brandon's not here, I think... Pizza, Peter's, Pete's over there, but, you know, police officers have to pull you over for some infraction, right? Because you've done something wrong. I probably don't drive down, 10 miles down the road without doing something wrong. I'm not, I'm not trying, I sometimes I forget to turn my turn signal on. Have you ever done that? How many of you ever went down the wrong way on a one-way street? I've done it more than once, Amen. You always notice when all the headlights are pointing at you from both sides? That's a sure fire that you're going down the wrong way. How many times have I ever done something wrong and not gotten in trouble for it? 
But the problem with God is he keeps an accurate record. You can't flee from his presence. He knows exactly who you are and he knows who I am. We are all sinners saved by grace. And when we become Christians and we become, when Christ comes into our heart and the Holy Spirit indwells us, it doesn't make us perfect. There's not a perfect person in here. I always like when Jesus was with his disciples and they were putting their money in the offering plates and all these people dropped by and dropped all the, you know, just a boatload of money and then one lady comes up and just puts one coin in. And what does he refer to her as? One who gave it all. She gave it all. See, Jesus sees who we are. And aren't you thankful when you study what sin does, it makes you even more happier what Christ does for us. Because he became the penalty for our sin. Now mark this down. This does not mean that we can go out and do whatever we want. Because when we go out and do whatever we want, that separation is there again. And we have to restore that relationship with him. Let's just be really honest with ourselves. How many times have you done something wrong and you can just feel it? You know, you know what you've done. And it might not be an act, it might be a thought. It might be an emotion. We might, we might go, okay, I, I, they deserve that. Have you ever said that about somebody? They deserve that. I think Lacey said that about me this morning. He deserved that. But aren't you thankful we don't get what we deserve? Because I'm telling you, we sin and we sin. Sometimes we can sin and no one else knows in this world. But you know what? God does. He knows exactly what the He knows what time, where you did it, what you're doing, and He knows what you're going to do later. Yeah, He still loves you. Sounds a lot like a parent. He is your heavenly father. I have two girls. They were not perfect. I always remember my two girls, how I tell you the difference between one of them. One of them was always by my side helping me with everything. The other one would be sitting in the house looking out the window, just the curiosity of what they're doing out there. But when she was young, she didn't want to come out and help me. And I'd look over at her and you could see that. But she, as a child, she didn't realize she had to move her hands too, amen? She'd have them in the blinds looking, and she'd drop her head, and she didn't think I could see her. And then all of a sudden, I'd see, Doop, and the blinds would go back up. We're all different. We all have things that we have to deal with. What are we going to do with our sin? You know, I think the hardest person to understand the magnitude of this is Adam and Eve. You know why? Because they lived in a perfect environment. And they only had one thing that they could not do. And yet they still did it. And I wonder when they took that fruit and, they, and she ate it, if she felt the difference. I wonder if she said when she took that bite of the fruit, and you just think about that, just biting a fruit is what kicked, got him kicked out of the garden. You know what it's called? It's called obedience. I wonder if she would, she would reflect on that of the perfect setting that she had in the garden. 
I can guarantee you there's one time that she'd reflect on that is when she had a child. And I guarantee you his was every time he tilled that ground, he realized that he lived in a perfect environment. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will ca cause separation, and it also, will cause, it also has a penalty. See, correct me if I'm wrong, Pete, but I can drive as fast as I want, can't I? I mean, I can take off and fly as fast as I want. But when those blue lights come on behind me, there's a penalty to be paid. And it doesn't end with just a little piece of paper he gives me, because you know what I have? I have an insurance agent. That insurance agent, if I keep going and keep going and doing all this, they're going to send me a letter, and you know what they're going to say? There's a penalty for what you've done. We've got to get back and understand what sin is all about. Sin will de destroy a relationship with our Savior. Oh, we're never going to lose our, our eternal security. But we need to be as close to God as we possibly can. Because you know why, as a person? You need God. Anybody in here have a major prayer request on, on your hands? Guarantee some of you do. And you know what I want? I don't want anything between me, my Savior and myself. And all sin does is it, is it muddies the water. I want to be able to say, Lord, this is what, if my daughters were to call me and say, I have this problem, this problem, this problem, can you help me with it? Can you pray for me? I want to be able to go bow my knees right at that moment and say, okay, there's nothing between my Savior and me. This, this, this sin will cause loss. It will cause separation. It will, it will lose, I will lose some fellowship with him. And that's why I'm so thankful for David. David did wrong. But you can find through all Psalms that all he was about was getting that restored. And that's why you go through this and, and you, you see his restoration period because when he, when he found out that his son was, going, was not doing well, what did he do? He prayed and fasted all night. But when he found out that, son, that, that the son had passed away, what did he do? He, took, he cleaned himself up and went and prayed a little bit more. There was nothing more he could do. His whole life was, was back to that. That's why you find in the New Testament, David was what? A man after God's own heart. He, had, he understood sin. He talked about it. And he got it settled. Does this mean he was perfect? No. But it does mean that he was a man after God's own heart. He wanted that, that relationship and that fellowship the right way. And he knew what sin would do. There's so many Christians that think we can do whatever we want. Everything's going to be okay. That's not what God says. There's a penalty for it. 